Today we continue our study of the seven attributes that are found in the first few verses of the letter to the Hebrews. So far we have seen that Jesus is uh, the heir of all things. He's the creator of the universe. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Today we're going to look at uh, numbers five and six. Number five is that Christ is the sustainer. He sustains all things by his powerful word. Now this is not, this is a dynamic term, not a static term. It's not that he's the sustainer like Atlas who sort of, you know, got the weight of the world on his shoulders. Um, this, is a, this is a dynamic word. The word is, I think, actually even uh, dynamis from which we will eventually get the English word dynamite. Now you cannot, I, when, I, when I point that out, I am accused by those in the know of reverse etymological derivation. You cannot look at the word dynamite, which is, I don't know, a 19th or 20th century word, and go back into the first century and read dynamite back into the first century. It wasn't a thing. But you get the relationship between those two words. So the suggestion, the fact that it's dynamic, is that, it's th that Jesus is actively sustaining the world. He is involved. Deism is off the table. So deism is the idea that God establishes the world, puts certain rules in place, and then says, okay, uh, let everything work its way out. I'm going to not be paying attention. Today, there's a lot of people um, that, that embrace what um, Christian Smith, a sociologist at Notre Dame, has called moral therapeutic deism, the idea that... Uh, that God is there to sort of help us feel good about ourselves, but, but he's basically not involved in our lives unless we call on him because we need help. Uh, and that's not at all what we see here. We see God being actively involved in sustaining our world, answering prayer, being involved. Which brings us to number six, and that says that he makes purification for our sins. Um, and that he is now seated at the right hand. And there's, there's a lot here, so we're going to come back to this tomorrow. But let me just set this up by saying, one of the things that we need to get right is some understanding of what's going wrong. right? Because what we think is wrong with the world uh, very much shapes how we live in the world and how we try to order our own life. And so there's a lot today that suggests that you cannot um, use the word sin. It used to be that, that everyone was expected to be tolerant of other people, and then tolerance came to mean not just tolerance, but sort of affirmation. And now there almost has to be celebration of, of every kind of idea in every different direction. But the Bible is going to frame this a little bit differently, and it's going to say uh, not everything is good, not everything is right, and that, uh, that the big problem that exists in the world is that we are uh, estranged from God, we are separated from God, our rebellion, our brokenness, our sinfulness has driven a wedge between us and God. And we've got to deal with that sin problem. And this is suggesting that Jesus deals with that. He makes uh, purification, uh, he made purification for sin. And it's a past tense word, I shouldn't say makes, active tense. He made he completed this. His death on the cross was the, was the payment for uh, the sin 
of the world. And so it's uh, something that he did alone. It's not something that he helps us with. It's not something we help him with. But he makes purification for sin and then sits down. As I said, a lot here. We're going to come back to this tomorrow. I hope you have a good day.